All right, everyone, welcome to Strictly Sports. I am Jacob Brown, joined by CJ Yuri. You might think we're going to start off with the big news that every sports show is starting off with today. Christian McCaffrey to the San Francisco 49ers. We'll save that for a little bit later, but we're going to start off with some hockey. We had the sports equinox last night, baseball playoffs, Thursday night football, uh, NBA coming back, even though I don't care anymore. Uh, you know, there, everything was on, college football, but hockey at this time of the year is very undercovered. And I feel like it's something that we can talk about. We're through five games and uh, you know, it, you don't have final opinions on teams after five games, but what you do have is a good idea of what they're trying to do or what the direction of the team, where they're going. And so obviously we always talk about our, you know, CJ's Panthers and my Rangers, but uh, you know, I wanted to take a look around the general standings first and, and just talk about any teams that are surprising us so far. And the one that jumps off to me is the Buffalo Sabres at three and one. Uh, and for me, we never talk about the Sabres like ever. And I, I looked at their roster the other day. They have a ton of young talent. They just locked up two young guys. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Rasmus Anderson, I believe. And then they uh, Darlene is locked up. Tage Thompson got a big contract. They got some young dudes, some draft picks breaking in. But do we think this is an aberration? I mean, it's four games at the end of the day. But do you think their young talent is better than we think? I mean, you know, we saw Ottawa add some guy. Maybe they need that star power first. But it's impressive what they're doing. Yeah, no, it definitely is. I mean, yeah, like you said, I mean, the, the beginning of the year is always like it's there's teams that just come out of the gate like really hot and you know stuff stuff ends up cooling down a little bit um this is a franchise that has been waiting and waiting for you know some 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 life uh, but i i always find that the sabers they actually the last couple of years they've started off the year you know pretty pretty decent i mean it's just it's like a 10 to 12 game thing i mean you get the home crowd i mean the buffalo sabers have you know there there's a big fan base there um they're dying for for a winner again and I, I always find that it just fizzles by game 15, game 20. And then, look, they're right back there for a draft pick. But, again, we, we, the amount of draft picks that they've, that they've gotten, I mean, at some point, something's got to give. And I just think it's a lot of it's the Sabres. It's, it's really bad ownership that's been there and, and really yeah. bad um, coaching. I mean, you got to get people to develop these guys. So, I mean, look, in all honesty, I, I hope that the Sabres are, are are fighting for a wild card at the end of the year. I think that it's good for hockey. I think it's good for, for their fan base to, to, to have a large fan base interested all the way to the end. So um, I think it is more, I, I, I would, I would be on the side of it's more of a little hot streak, not something sustainable. Um, but Hey, if you start out of the gate really hot through the first 10 to 15 games, Odds are midway through the season, you're still in the hunt because you started off really well. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, goaltending's an issue for them too. Comrie and Anderson, are we really depending on that? The guy I mentioned earlier that they signed to the extension was uh, was Samuelson, Matias Samuelson, six foot four, two hundred thirty pounds, twenty two years old. They have Owen Power breaking in this year. Uh, Yoki Haru, uh, very young guy. Alex Tuck, Tage Thompson, Middlestat. So if they can get some of them working, you know, Krebs as well. It could be a little interesting in Buffalo, but I, I'm more with you. It's probably an aberration uh, at this point in the season. You look at the West, nothing over there is really surprising me at all. It's actually going exactly the way that you would think. Uh, you know, 
these are pretty much my playoff predictions. You'll get a Dallas, Colorado, Nashville, Vegas, Calgary Kings, Blues, Oilers. And I don't see one team currently out of a playoff spot in the West that really deserves. I mean, Winnipeg's the first team out. So do you think the West is going to kind of stick to this throughout the year that it might be eight to nine teams maybe throughout the whole year and it's just playoff seating mainly in the West? Yeah, I, I, I absolutely do. I think that your ninth team, you know, being, you know, odd man's out, being the Jets, the Canucks, um, I think it's going to be very similar to last year. And actually, um, sorry, uh, the Wild are out. They would be the one team that you'd be like, oh, shit, but they're one and three. Yeah, I, I, I mean, there's so many hockey games this season, but I think that the, the, the playoffs are going to be pretty much in the West, the exact same teams as last year, just different seating. Um, I would say that the Flames have such a talented roster now. I mean, they still are yet to gel to the point of, you know, because you add two huge pieces in Huberto and Uyghur, and you lose two huge pieces in Goudreau and Chuck. Uh, and plus, they added in Nazem Kadri. I mean, the team's got a gel, um, but they're they're going to be up there for a top three seed. Uh, yeah. The Oilers. Um, hopefully, they they fix their goaltending a little bit. If they can keep one or two less goals out of the out of the net, uh, that is a team that's lethal because they can score and hang with any team in the league. Um, but yeah, I would say that in the West, this this whole. Uh, d- this whole conference runs through three teams. It's uh, it's the Abs, Flames, and the Oilers. Um, I-, I don't think anybody else to me presents any sort of threat to anybody. Um, nobody has this goalie or player outside of those three teams that I'm like, well, you know, that guy's unstoppable. Um, all three of the teams that I said are, are deep teams. They uh, very well drafting and in free agency. Um and I'll tell you now, I mean, I, I, I know that this doesn't necessarily have anything to do with predictions per se, but if the Oilers could do one thing, I mean, they would take back that Darnell Nurse contract tomorrow and maybe give him $3.5 million less uh, and be able to pay some more for some more defense. Because I think that the Oilers are one or two, you know, just – solid stopgap defensemen away from really beating anybody in the league. But yeah, the West is the West is going to be very predictable. I think that where the fireworks are going to come down the line this season is going to be the East. No, I'm with you because already we're seeing in the East as well, the Flyers and Carter Hart are starting off to a very nice start. I don't think that continues either. They don't, the Flyers really don't have much at all to, 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 to vouch for. Couturier is out for the most of the year. It's kind of looking shaky there. Montreal, they have a lot of young hype around, you know, Marty St. Louis really, he's doing a beautiful job with that group and, and, and keeping them in games. So I think they might be one of those pest type of teams. Um, they're currently in a wild card right now. I don't think that sticks. Toronto's out of a playoff spot. But one team that I thought that nobody's talking about, a team that went to two consecutive Eastern Conference Finals, the New York Islanders. People forget last year, they started off with a ton of injuries, and they started off on the road until November. That is tough to do, and, and they they never were really able to click at any point throughout the season last year. I think Barry Trotz not being there takes a lot of the allure away for sure. You don't have that stability or that trust that, okay, we're going to get back to what we were necessarily, but the players are still there, and, and so – well, this will really show us were the Islanders a Barry Trotz product or are they a roster that can get to the playoffs? Because 
Sorokin's a, a, a damn good goalie too. So I think the Islanders are a team that's being very underlooked that could that can make the playoffs again. Yeah, so you know, I I think the Islanders they caught lightning in a bottle and, and a little bit of magic there uh, last within the last like four years. Um, they had this like defensive mindset, you know, these older grizzled guys that you know they figured out a way to score, but their defense was just it was suffocating. Uh, and it was they they were the epitome epitome of playoff hockey, right? Like they 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 embodied what it meant to play like old school playoff style hockey. Um, but the thing is, you got to get there to be able to play that style of hockey. And the regular season now more than ever in both the East and West, you got to score. You got to keep up with these guys every night. You know, it's not like. All right, we're in a series now. We're seeing the same guys, uh, you know, over a seven, you know, fourteen day stretch. Like, we'll, we'll pick up on their tendencies. We'll hit them in the, you know, you're you're going from playing the Panthers one night, and then the next night you could be playing the Lightning up up in Tampa. You have to be able to score. You have got to be able yeah. to score. And I've found that like that Islanders model of you know defense first and and and, and great goaltending. It's it's great. It's going to win you some games, but. When the rest of the league, it's there's so much parity in the league right now, especially in the scoring department. All these teams have some flash, and and then and you look at the Eastern Conference. I mean, look at the best teams in the in the East, right? You got the Rangers, the Panthers, the Maple Leafs, the 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 Lightning. You got, I mean, I mean, in the division, in the division itself, Penguins, Carolina. Yeah, they all have a lot of punch. They got some flash. They've got a top six. You know, they, they have a top six forwards and, and even they can roll three lines that can score against you. And I don't think the Islanders have that. And yeah. it's great to have this model of consistent, grizzled, old school playoff hockey. But it, again, in the regular season, you got to get there. And why have the Panthers? The, the, the Panthers, I find, are the exact opposite of what the Islanders are. The Panthers in the regular season beat anybody a, a, on any given night. They go on these streaks of 10, 10, 10 to 12 wins. But then you get to the playoffs and they don't have that playoff mode. Whereas I feel like the Islanders don't have that, like right now, this regular season killer instinct and firepower to get them to the playoffs. But then once, if they got in the playoffs, they have that mode to get in the playoff mode. So, I, I mean, I'm going on a rant here, but I don't think the Islanders are much of a threat. I mean, they Barzal is sick. He, he He's really good. But the Panthers already played the Islanders this year and they beat him. And, and you know, we did not have a very good decor in that game. And I wasn't never was, I was, there was never any point where I was like, oh, we're going to lose this game, you know? Yeah. And again, it, that's, it's just, it's, it's, you, there's only so many times that Matt Martin can get into these players faces and it's like, but you got to score. You have to score. Right. Yeah, so Buck still there. Unreal. Yeah. Right. But I, I will say like for the East though, I mean, when I look at this list, I mean, I, I think something that, and I'm not going to go on an overreaction here, but I think people are starting to see like the effects of playing so much playoff hockey over the last like four years for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, like, I'm, I mean, obviously they're going to make the playoffs. Don't get me wrong. All right. But if you watch this Lightning team play, I mean, they've, they're blowing leads to, to, yeah. to a flyer team that's not all that good that the Panthers handled the following night. And I, I, I think that this Lightning team has lost some of its magic. I mean, you're 1-3, in three and Stamkos has potted six goals. That's a little alarming. 
that you're scoring but still lose because the Lightning are always a team that if they score, you're done. You're going to lose. Right. So, well, I, I, yeah, I think with the Lightning, you know, it, it's mainly Palat leaves. Okay. You know, you have other trades and other losses that the offseason before you had the, the picks to the Kraken that left. Okay. We can deal with that. Replace Palatly. Okay. We'll just put Hagel there or, or Nemestikov. And it's always been this mindset that, and it's, it's probably still going to pay true because they're still going to make the playoffs, but it's always, okay, we'll just replace the guys that leave. Uh, and we're the lightning and we have this team that keeps winning and we're just, they're just going to work. And, you know, that's big to add, you know, Brandon Hagel is a guy that has not been trusted in a big role. He's going to be asked for top six minutes a lot this year. Uh, Nemestikov, a top six guy, like sure. He used to be with the lightning, but you know, what is he going to be as a top six potentially? Uh, you've got Kalorn now, I believe, on the first line or, or or working in the top six as well, whereas maybe he wasn't relied on as much and Kalorn's in his final year with the Lightning now. And But I think the main thing is they, they just thought Ryan McDonough could leave and this defense would maybe be fine. I mean, I, I think they knew there would be a loss there, but – Ryan McDonough leaving, that's a that's a hole. You, now you're leaving Sergachev with a lot more minutes and against a lot better caliber players. They're paying him the big money now. Uh, you know, uh, the Lightning are now not – they don't have the excuse anymore that we're back-to-back champs and we could just wait it out. They're going to make the playoffs, but I think you're right that, you know, they don't have that, oh, shit, it's the Lightning feeling anymore. Yep, I totally agree. And, I mean, look, dude, I'm going to read you the eight teams in the East right now. Right. Pittsburgh Ranger, Pittsburgh, New York Rangers, Boston Bruins, Buffalo Sabres, Carolina Hurricanes, Philadelphia Flyers, Florida Panthers, Montreal Canadiens. Right. So let's just say that we can we can subtract Buffalo, Philadelphia and Montreal over time. Yeah. Okay. So then that's three spots. Right. Obviously, it would go, you know, Toronto Maple Leafs get in there and then. You've got, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning get in there and then maybe the Washington Capitals. But then there's there's these two teams that I that I keep going back to that that might catch fire and a talented team in the East might not make the playoffs. Like a team that you thought was a shoe in might not make it in. Okay. Yeah. The Red Wings are a solid team. They have I a like the Red Wings here. They've, they've clearly developed their team. They have a plan. They made some good free agency moves. They play good team defense. They have a fantastic captain in Dylan Larkin. They've got good goaltending. And this is a franchise that sh- that is not going to be out of the playoffs for too long. This was a franchise that went to the playoffs 26 straight years. They've not been in the playoffs for a couple years now. But th- at some point, they're going to get back in. Is that this year? And then you got the Columbus Blue Jackets where they st- they're starting off Kind of shitty, right? They're they're two and three, but nice win last night, and Gaudreau scored again. Gaudreau scored again. He's scoring right now, and they've got Patrick Line. They're they're gonna score when they need to, and I like the defense that they have there. And and whenever I think of Columbus, I'm just like, this is a team that you don't want to play. You they're know, it, it, right? So if if either of those two teams catch some fire. While the Lightning are a little bit down in the dumps, I, I can't help but think. I mean, the Lightning only have two points. They're 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 four points off the pace right now. They they have a huge game against the Panthers tonight to 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 catch some ground. I, again, no overreactions here. This is it's really early in the season, but I'm just saying if this 
slump from the Lightning continues through the next 10 games and they dig themselves a little bit of a hole, I mean, you're at that point, it's like we have to start talking. Are they in, are they going to be a wild card team? <laughs> Seriously, because you're division two. Again, in the division, you've got Florida and Toronto, and then who who's going to take the third spot? I think honestly, bold take time. I mean, I know the Bruins have started off four and one. I think that they. I don't know if they make the playoffs. I think that their age is going to show as the season goes on. I don't think they have thump at all in the bottom six. The bottom six, you don't know who any of them are. It's really just amazing. And the defense without McAvoy for half a season, how is that going to last? You don't have the Chuka Rask idea in your head of him coming down from the skies to save the day. It's a different story in Boston now. Like, is David Krejci supposed to come in here and and really be a savior or something? Like, I don't see the Bruins doing – I mean, listen, it's a group of vets. They'll be in it till the end. But they were the eighth seed last year. Listen, I totally agree. I, I definitely do think that – I mean, look, here, here's the other thing, though. Here, here's the problem with the Boston Bruins. They are an organization that finds a way. And they have not had Brad Marsh on this year. Um, and Aaron Ekblad goes down in the beginning of the second period uh, against the Bruins. And the Panthers like took him all the way down to the last minute even though the Bruins are up two gold. And this was like the third game of a road trip for the Panthers. But I'm watching the Bruins, and I'm like, first two periods, this is hockey. That reminds me of the Boston Bruins. I hate playing against them. They hit really hard. There's no Marchand out there, and they're scoring goals. People should still respect the Bruins. And then the third period comes around, and then they didn't have that killer Bruins instinct that they always do to finish out games, right? And the Panthers come marching back. They give up a ton of shots on goal. And, you know, the Bruins ended up end up winning five to four or four to three or whatever. But I, I think what I'm saying here is I would not be surprised if the Bruins if the Bruins were not in the playoff picture. But again, I find that these first ten to fifteen games, people in hockey don't fully res- like respect how much they actually play into the standings. Because if a team gets hot out of the gate and gets a sense of belief, a team that did not was not expecting to make the playoffs prior to the season and is now like a Sabres or like a Flyers, not not really the Flyers. I'm not I don't think the Flyers make it, but like or or Detroit, right? This team gets hot. And then I, I, I honestly believe there will be a team that has been a shoe in for the playoffs the last few years in the East that is actually sitting and watching. On, on the couch. Absolutely. And again, I want to say, I don't think it's going to be the lightning, but come back to me in two weeks. Give me their need. Give me 10 more games. And if the lightning are still, I mean, look, they, they are at their, their last place. They're tied for last place in the league right now. Okay. <laughs> through four games, two points only through four games. If you yeah. had told me that at the beginning of the year, I would have said you're crazy. And if the lightning lose and, and don't even pick up a point tonight in Florida, I think that you're going to see a little bit of panic from the media in Tampa to start the season off one and four. You're in a hole. Okay. Tonight, obviously some teams in the East will win as well, but I, I just can't help but think like this is the year where it's like the pieces that they lost actually really hurt. Oh, for sure. And I, like you said in the past, they've been able like guys leave they replaced and i said before the year i said they're the gold standard any guy that leaves they replaced but i've watched a couple of lightning games now on 
Uh, uh, NHL center ice has been free for the first couple weeks. So I've been watching. Dude, they look slower. They don't look like they have the full scoring through four lines. But, I mean, mean, let's move on from the Lightning, though. Let me know what you think about the Rangers division. Yeah, I mean, the the Rangers, the only problem they've had this year is finishing out games. They play a really good 40, and then that final 20, if they're up by a lot, they kind of relax. Uh, and then a, a game like last night against the Shark, they just they got outshot 15-1. to 1. The, the urgency is not there. It's early in the season. That doesn't cause me to panic. Um, as far as they go in general, right now there's just a little bit of drama around Vitaly Kravtsov. Where is he going to play? Is he trade bait? Because uh, right now they have Lafreniere and Kako in the top six, and they're working. Kako looks better than he ever has. Lafreniere looks better than he ever has. And so does Heedle. And now they're not playing together, which is really important because they all, it was always about the kid line and about them benefiting each other. Well, now, you know, you got Kako playing with Kreider and Zibanejad. It's working. Lafreniere is playing with Panarin and Trocek. It's working. Uh, and then in that third line scenario, right now they have uh, third line center Heedle with Barkley Goudreau on the right, Sammy Blay on the left. That fourth line is Ryan Carpenter centering with Ryan Reeves on the right wing and Jimmy Vesey on the left wing. Jimmy Vesey has not been on the ice for a 5v5 goal this year, and when he's on the ice, his line has doubled the shot attempts. So he's going to stay. I mean, he's rebranded his game. He's a former Ranger. Good for him. And Dryden Hunt is the guy that he replaced. He's with Colorado now, just claimed on waivers yesterday. So the, the whole deal is how do we get crafts off in is it, do we lose the face-offs with Ryan Carpenter, who was top five in the league last year? Do we lose the physicality of Reeves? Or do we sit the defensive forward, Jimmy Vesey? And so it's tough. And, and Kraftsoff brings a lot of offensive upside, but Gallant is very much about defensive forwards. They have to be defensively conscious, and everyone's concerned about his him adapting from the Russian game to the American game. So that's really the only concern right now. Igor's Igor. He's insane. Five of the six defensemen I'm happy about. That third pair lefty, it's Zach Jones right now. And like I said in the beginning of the year, I think it's a Nils Lundqvist part two. They're going to put him out there, realize he's not the guy, and realize they have six foot four Matt Robertson in, in, in uh, AHL. They're going to call him up by the end of the year and trade off Zach Jones at some point. Uh, but the Rangers will make the playoffs. But Carolina, I think they're a shoe-in. And then I think it's between Carolina and, and Pittsburgh, really. Uh, excuse so, me, uh, uh, Pittsburgh and Washington. I think Washington is a slow start, but they're good. I, I actually have a little bit of a, um, a difference in opinion here. So I've been, we've been kind of, I, I think that we've been avoiding a little bit of a hot take here with with the with a team from the Eastern Conference that's that that is on official playoff like. Okay, hold on. You know, they're not as good as they used to be. I'm actually going to redirect here. If that division, which it's the Metropolitan, is that is that what it's called? Yeah, Metropolitan. So if it in that division, if it's if it ends up being in no particular order, Rangers, Penguins, Bruins. Uh Bruins are in your division. Oh, that's right. Bruins are in yeah. my, um sorry, who am I thinking of? In Carolina. No. Carolina Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, Rangers, hold on. There's Carolina, Washington, Philly, Islanders, uh, Devils, Columbus. Okay. Yeah. 
if it ends up being Pittsburgh Rain Pitt, Pittsburgh Rangers and then some like a like a Washington Capitals catch fire or whatever. I actually don't think the Hurricanes are like nearly as good as they were in the past. No, they are not. No. They lost a lot. <laughs> like they they lost and I don't think that they can score with the best of the teams. And I don't think that they can defend with the best of the teams. I mean, say what you want about Tony D'Angelo, but he's a good defender. And and say what you want about, you know, I mean, obviously they didn't have Dougie Hamilton last year, but, like, I think that they missed Dougie Hamilton last year. And then they lose Trocheck. I mean, I'm just saying, like, I don't think the Carolina Hurricanes are all that. And, like, they very well could go on a losing streak at any point. Uh, I'm with you. I really am. I mean, when they were going through their offseason, I was a little perplexed. And now the Pacioretty trade isn't even going to give them full value. He's out for half the season, and he's in his mid-30s. So what are you even getting when he gets back? Now, when he played for Vegas last year, he also played in like half the games last year. He could have been a 40-plus goal scorer. He was on pace for that in the games that he played last year. But how many injuries is enough for a mid-30-year-old guy that's been around been through playoff runs with Montreal and Vegas. Um, Brent Burns, that was a massive head scratcher for me. He is old. He does not have good defensive statistics. It, it, I just, that one was immediate head scratcher for me. So Carolina, they are not a shoe in. I am with you. So uh, before we move on to college, we'll do a quick segment on college just to address what we talked about last week, uh, our prediction that the rankings could change. And then we'll do a little bit about the NFL with McCaffrey and Dolphins picks for this week, but your Panthers, what are your thoughts about them? Um, look, I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. There's definitely a little bit of an issue on the blue line, um, but I'm actually, I find this to be more of an opportunity than it is an issue. Um, I think that you need to learn what you have in Matt Kierstead. Uh, you need to learn what you have in Lucas Carlson. Are these guys that can emerge and force their way into the, the into the six uh, defenseman pairings, uh, or, or the, the, uh, the six defensemen. I mean, Ekblad, obviously, when he comes back, he's immediately assuming line one. But when when Ekblad is out, can Gustav Forsling show you that, hey, Uyghur left, but I'm easily your next guy in line, and I can hold his, I can hold the first line down. No yeah. problem. Um, and also, is this Josh Maher a guy, a guy that he plays his way into getting a contract extension here and getting like a two to three year contract and being, and being a name that state that sticks around for the next couple of years. This is more of an opportunity than, than an issue for me. And like, yes, Ekblad went on L- LTIR, but it is a groin injury. And it, the only reason why they put him on there is because he's probably going to just miss the next, I think it's 10 games. Okay. It's All not right. it isn't season ending. It's not, you know, like, you know, Holy cow. I think that they'll ease him back, but I, I I guess here's what I'll say about the Panthers. They won't win the division this year. They will be a two they will be a two or three in the division. And I'm hoping that it's the lightning again in round one. I am. I I, I think that this season is is, is actually progressing into an, an, an additional installment into the Lightning Panthers um, saga. And I think that this is going to be the Panthers are the three or the two. I think the Maple Leafs end up figuring out. Their roster is really good. Uh, they're a regular season type team too. Um, 
So I guess what uh like to finish this off, I think the Panthers will be around 106 or 108 points to end the year. Um, to Chuck and Barkov will be both be over 90 points this year, and um, you're going to either you're going to see if either Zito once again did it with with sneaky free agent additions and sneaky uh, waiver wire additions and finding some some random um, gems like Colin White. Rudolph Balsers getting Nick Cousins to add into that bottom six. As is, they're hitting more. They're playing more defense. Uh, the forwards are. Um, but I think you're really going to see, is there a guy in that defense that deserves a contract extension? And and is Barkov the superstar that everybody says he is? Can, is, is without Huberto, is, you know, is Barkov going to skip a beat? Is, is Barkov going to take his game and, and maybe provide a little bit of edge to the team. There's a lot of opportunity here. I think the playoffs are pretty much a, a formality, but can we see from the Panthers that next level to get them to round three of the playoffs? Because the sky's the limit with this team. You add to Chuck, who's already come as advertised, he mixes things up. He is right in front of the goalie. He, him and Sam Bennett are an annoying line to play against. They hit you. They crash the net. There is a style of Panthers hockey that is so much more appealing to me to watch uh, and that will translate to the playoffs. But, again, a lot of opportunity and questions needs to be answered defensively and through Barkov. So playoffs are not – playoffs are going to happen. But, again, you're going to see one of these guys on the defense step up and, and earn them uh, themselves a contract. And then Barkov – you gotta say you gotta see from Barkov. I mean, Jacob, I know you watch Barkov. Is he incredible? Yes. Does he do a lot of silent things on the ice, left and right, that make you go, "Oh my gosh, this guy's amazing," stealing the puck, whatever. But look at McDavid. Look at McKinnon. Heck, look at Kucherov. Right. Look at look look at the Drysital. They they play with an edge in the playoffs. They hit you. Okay. They they scrum it up in front of the net. They're not afraid to get to get to get dirty down low. Okay. Right. And what's worrisome about it is that Barkov had, he's been in the playoffs before last year. You would have thought, you know, you got to know at that point, you got to adapt to that physicality. And is he making that transition too slow with that physicality? But yeah, I, I actually, I think the angle of it that you didn't mention with Barb, you know, will he add that extra edge? I think more so. I think to Chuck, if, if Barkov's not going to be this physical prever, uh, presence, to Chuck can be for him and create that space maybe. And maybe he's the guy that says, Hey, you're not going to touch Barkov because I'm on the ice. Uh, that might be something to combat Barkov, but he still needs to add to his own game. No, I agree. And, and, and again, though, and, and I said it on my, on my Twitter account the other day, I'm like, this guy, Matt to Chuck is infectious. He, he really is. I mean, his interview on TNT was, was awesome. He's like, Barkov is the best captain in the NHL. He it, like to, to to lean on a guy like this in the locker room is a huge plus, and and I know I'm the guy here to provide an edge to this team, uh, and we're you know like everything's going really well. Paul Maurice is a great coach. The guy is a walking marketing material, and he's a walking leader. He just is. Yeah. And Barkov needed a guy like this and, and to to draw some attention to the physicality and and assume this role. But again, Barkov's got the C on his on his chest at some point you need to i'm not saying you got to lay somebody out but big dude he's you know 
He's 6'3". He's 220 plus. I mean, the guy, he's a big dude. Nobody screws with Barkov on the ice. Like, I've never seen anybody go, take, a, take a run at him. Right. Because I think Barkov's a silent, a, a, a gentle giant. But, again, I've always said this the last couple of years. I could not imagine the bench reaction if Barkov completed a big check. Oh, or yeah. Barkov crashes the net and stuffs one home and emerges from this pile a victor, a goal scorer, and looks back at the bench and everybody's fired up, like, let's go. You know, like, it's that type of stuff that the McDavid, the McKinnons, the Kucherovs, the Crosbys, they've all added to their game. Ovechkin, he, he knocks anybody out on that ice. Right. That they added that also gives them another edge in their leadership roles. And I think Barkov is yet to put that into his game. And if if he's reluctant to add it to the game, there has to be somebody on the team or the head coach to challenge him and say, listen, we love you. We respect you. You are one of the best players in to ever to, to in the NHL, and you are probably the best player to ever put on the Florida Panther jersey when it's all said and done. But you got to show us some more. There needs to be an edge. Because I got texts from some people on, on, on um, Wednesday night. They were like, where's Barkov? Where is he in this game? Yeah, no, he's, he's got to be more active. It's, it's, yes, you, if, if you are not, like, again, when he steals the puck and does these back checks, nobody's, like, te- tweeting and texting, like, oh, my God, that was amazing. But you got to get the team going sometimes. And, and I, I'm going off on a tangent here. But, again, you know the Rangers last year played, played with an edge in the playoffs. Not the, they, they yeah, edge. I mean, you know, Truba. I mean, look, you, you had guys that that played with this edge, and they were a tough out in the playoffs. I mean, this was a team that had a two zero lead in the conference finals against Tampa. This was a team that that was a really tough out, and I can't help but sit there and go, "Where was that last year for the Panthers?" Right. And Bob has to set the, the example. To right. Chuck can set as much of an example as he wants, but he does not have the C on the chest. It's got to be Barkov. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So we'll move on now to. Uh, NCAA football addressing the subject of our pod from last week, where I, I think I called it, uh, will the college football rankings change this week or something like that? Because there were so many games that could affect it. And Alabama lost. Alabama actually lost to Tennessee. It was fantastic to see. I said last week, I'm rooting for it. I hope it happens. Uh, but I didn't think so. I thought Bama would do what they always do, but they did not. Bryce Young even played. But Hooker played really well. They thrived off that home crowd. They won the game. Right now, top four in the country, Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, Michigan. And Michigan, with a legitimate, their first legit, legit win of the year against the Penn State Nittany Lions at home. They were ranked 10 coming in. And now you you can't talk crap on Michigan now. They've they've had a better schedule than Clemson. Uh, Alabama lost their game. Tennessee's, you know, so they're where they need to be, Michigan. They, They are number four. I like it. Um, and, and we'll see Ohio State, Michigan later in the year and how that that cancels itself out. Alabama and Ole Miss will play later, later this year. They're six and seven. We talked about Oklahoma State. Could they fall out? They did. TCU now, that Big 12 undefeated team, uh, now at number eight. And then UCLA, Oregon now at nine and ten. They're going to be vying for a Pac-12 standings game when they face this weekend. So a lot of shakeup last weekend. Alabama actually has to, some work to do in the regular season, but your Michigan team doing well as well. Uh, personally with Tennessee, I, I think it was great that they beat Alabama, 
but I see them losing to Georgia in two weeks on the road, as unfortunate as that may be. And then I think we're destined once again for Alabama-Georgia in the SEC championship game, and then one of them makes the, the, the playoff because I at least think this year that you won't have two teams from the same conference making the playoffs. I think you're going to have a good enough representative from the uh, from the ACC and Clemson. I don't think they're going to lose. So they would they would slip in, and then you might even have that undefeated Big 12 or the undefeated Pac-12 if UCLA is able to pull that off. So uh, what's your outlook after last week? A lot changed. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched a really good Joel, Joel Klatt uh, segment the other day, and it's it's – he, he hit the nail on the head. This the, the divisions in college football, at some point, they have to go. Um, Tennessee's win over Alabama was incredible, but it is so minimized by the fact that they basically have to beat Georgia in a couple weeks for, for them to get into the SEC championship and then have to go play Bama again. Makes no sense. Um, I, I will I will say this. I think the rankings are, are, are correct right now. Um, Clemson might be undefeated, but I don't think that they're all that special compared to the other top four teams. Um, and I think something else that I'm rooting for is, I mean, obviously you want that the, you want that Michigan-Ohio State game uh, at the end of the year to be like the highest stakes game possible, like one versus three or one versus two, two versus three, whatever it is, um, which is looking like that's what's going to happen. But something that I'm rooting for is is for TCU to run the table and go 12-0. Um, Let's go. And, and then win the Big 12 championship because then you're going to really it's going to really expose the college football playoff committee. How can you leave out TCU who ends the year 13 and 0, winning the Big 12, winning winning all their I mean they beat a top 10 team in Oklahoma State, beating a Texas team that's actually really good if they, you know, getting all the way there. Um, they beat Oklahoma, right? Beat Oklahoma. Um, beat Kansas who was ranked. Um, like I'm like they've got the resume, right? And and hey, expose the expose the college football playoff committee because a TCU team that's that's you know undefeated should one hundred percent get in to the college football playoff over a one loss Bama, over a one loss Georgia. Like if you if you get undefeated, you know you you deserve to be in. So I I think that there's a lot of interesting storylines with this this these college football rankings. And look, there's still some mayhem to happen. I mean. Ohio State has to go to Happy Valley next week. <laughs> and that's a big noon kickoff game. It's going to be a whiteout at, at Penn State. And that's going to be their Super Bowl for the year at that point. Because, you know, to, you know, they like if they could beat Ohio State and they're a one-loss team, I mean, then you're sitting there like, okay, well now where does Penn State go? So, you know, and then Georgia plays Tennessee. I, there's going to be so much like rankings, and I, I you know, shake up. And I also want to say that Alabama, I think, is it, there's going to be another loss in the regular season for Bama. I don't think that they're the same, the same same. They play Ole Miss. Yeah, they're very undisciplined. They're a very undisciplined uh, Bama team, and and I think that there's one more loss on the card for the for for Bama. I would and, love it. And, yeah, like, let's see something different this year. Let's see some new teams. I mean, if you told me the college football playoff this year was, like, Tennessee, TCU, Michigan, and, you know. Clemson. Clemson. Like, that will be a ton of fun. Like, all those games would be a ton of fun. Like, show me something different. So, I'm rooting for TCU to go undefeated. I'm rooting for Clemson to get in. I'm, you know, obviously hoping Michigan gets in. 
I'm rooting for Bama to be a two-loss team. Ohio State to not get in. Georgia to lose to Tennessee. Like, dude. I love it. And Georgia's overrated. I, I mean, I know I kind of made the assumption, but I like Hooker over Stetson Bennett in that game. It's just you got to go to Sanford, and that that's tough. Agreed. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, just as a joke here, I mean, Adiel's Iowa at Ohio State, minus 30. Uh, 30-point dog. <laughs> So bad. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so let's move on to the NFL. Uh, McCaffrey, uh, we teased it at the beginning. I didn't want to lead off with it because you've already heard everyone else talk about it probably today already. This was a massive shakeup. I got it last night. There's not many trades anymore where I, my jaw drops. It, it happens like once every two or three years where I'm like, oh, my God, that seriously? Uh, and this was one of them. I, we knew he was going to get probably traded, but midseason doesn't really happen a lot in the NFL. And to a team like that, who's facing the Chiefs Sunday, if they can get him into that game, especially, I mean, San Francisco, this, the whole outlook changes. Now you've got Debo and Ayuk with McCaffrey in the backfield. When Elijah Mitchell's healthy, you'll have three backs with Wilson as a third option now. And then you still have Kittle. So, uh, Garoppolo is at least surrounded. If you've got to deal with him for another year, he's surrounded and they're getting healthy. They've got like, they had three players come off this weekend and then four coming off against the chiefs. So this is what San Francisco does when they get healthy, they play defense, but now they might actually have an offensive element to their game. Yeah. So I, I think CMC in the 49ers Jersey is going to look super cool. Um, but I can't help but think to myself, 49ers just added another injury-prone back to a backfield that is always decimated by injuries every year. True. Is CMC amazing? Yes, he's a video game player, man. The guy's crazy. But it's 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 also football, and midseason additions don't always translate into this this you know crazy output. And yes, does it give them a a, ma- a major upgrade? Absolutely, man. Christian McCaffrey's incredible. If you have the chance to get him, go get him. But I'm also not going to fully overreact here. Um, I, I I will still say that the Niners, um, they're, they're very mortal. I, I, I think that they're a little bit overrated. Um, and I think that Jimmy G is a quarterback that uh, doesn't necessarily strike fear into anybody. And I don't, you know, I, I just – they're a really they good lost team. to the Falcons. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're a really good team, but they just show a lot of flaws here and there. And look, man, this is a crazy trade, and this is, you know, huge news. But I'm not going to overreact about it. Um, is Christian McCaffrey going to go there and ball out? I mean, you know, he'd be a fool to, to say that he wouldn't. But again, I feel like the 49ers' issues over the years has been, you know, being injury-prone, whether it's the O-line, the D-line, the running back room. George Kittle missing games. You know, I, I, they gave up a lot for a guy that has shown a really bad injury history the last three years. So, you know, I'm just, I'm, I guess I'm being a little cautious about overreacting. But look, the 49ers will be in the playoffs, and it'll be good to see Christian McCaffrey in the playoffs. Absolutely. So, you look at the standings, and I guess we can go over this more so than games itself. The Jets are four and two right now. The Giants are five and one. New York football doing well for the first time in a long time at the same time. 
You got that AFC North, a lot of 500 football going on. Baltimore and Cincinnati, both at three and three. Both teams, I think, are better than three and three. The AFC South, a lot of mid. The AFC West, not going how we thought. I think Denver, at this point now, they're a train wreck. Uh, Vegas is a train wreck. The Chargers, Herbert does not look good. Uh, you know, the crack ribs at first was the excuse, and now it's, you know, last week they faced the Broncos. They're a top five defense. I get it. But, you know, Herbert, you know, show me something now. I mean, I, I've stuck up for him a lot. And, CJ, you're always in chat. Like, what is Herbert – ever shown us and everyone always jumps on him like he's amazing and I think after this weekend listen the Dolphins went 0-3 without Tua this is the first time where I'm actually going to sit here and say Tua is is actually what causes the Dolphins to win I think you can actually make that case now because you had Teddy Bridgewater coming for the Dolphins who is a respected NFL quarterback has been a starting NFL quarterback that you even saw haters say uh, there's not much separation between Bridgewater and Tua. They they can both do the same thing. It's it's like you know trading that. You see, there were haters really saying that. Now I'm sitting here like Tua. Look at that offense. The first two they haven't gone close to that since he's been gone. And listen, maybe I'm dumb. Maybe Tua really is the guy. And and I think they're going to beat the Steelers this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a, it's always been naive for anybody to say that Tua isn't the guy. I mean, he's sixteen and eight in his last twenty four starts, um, and or yeah, sixteen and eight in his last yeah twenty four starts. And the Dolphins are have a horrible record without him. Uh, he makes that offense tick, and it's just Bridgewater is just not very good. And Skyler Thompson is a rookie from Kansas State. I mean. They've, the sky's the limit when two is the quarterback. I've been saying this for a long time. As long as they can keep him upright and not slam to the ground by a 300-pound lineman, everything will be fine. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that the Dolphins went beat the Steelers and Tua has a great game, and people go back to like, oh, Tua is actually pretty good, which he is good. But, again, he's got to stay healthy. So, I mean, I, we can applaud him all we want, but, if, you know, you go three games and then you're out three games, like, that's just – it's bad. So, and I'm not saying that these last two injuries were necessarily on to it being injury prone. They're concussions, right? But um, he's just got to stay healthy the rest of the year. He needs to finish the year. Like there, there can't be any more time missed. It, it's got to be all systems go. I'm with you. I'm with you. So, uh, other than that, NFL week to week, not much change. Standings pretty much the same. Uh, I like my Giants. I think they'll beat the Jags this weekend. Uh, and then the last thing I'll talk about here, just a little quick thing. Yankees down 2-0 to the Astros. Phillies and Padres tied 1-1. We had a Strictly Baseball, Rory and I, previewing those two series earlier in the week. You can go check that out. Uh, but in terms of a mid-series update for me, Phillies are going home. They wanted to be tied going into Philadelphia. That's a very beneficial home crowd. I think it's going to help them a lot. They don't have Wheeler and Nola going at Philly in Game 3. So the Padres have their starters. If the Padres take Game 3, I think they win the series. We'll see what happens uh, in Philadelphia tonight. And then the Yankees are down 2-0. Uh, you know, CJ, I'm sure you put the Yankee haters chat on mute at this point because I'm, you know, I'm just I'm disgusted with what's going on. Uh, they basically managed Game One to win Game Two. Uh, I mean, it, it, you know, John Boy, you, he has he does a much better job of explaining it than I do. But essentially, they put Matt Carpenter in game one to get him at bats because they couldn't figure out how to get him at bats at the end of the regular season. So they said, Oh, just go out there against Verlander and try it out. 
He's 0 for 7 with 7Ks in the playoffs. Uh, the rest of the team has struck out 54% of the time. It's ugly. Uh, there's, you know, they, they, their indecisiveness at shortstop. They, they basically, again, like I said, threw away game one because they were like, well, Tyone's going against Verlander. We don't have a fresh bullpen. We're just going to give it up and have our fresh bullpen and a good pitcher for game two, and we're going to win game two, and they didn't. And I put out like a pretty obnoxious tweet about it, and, and it like kind of sums it up. I mean, I'll just read it, and that will be my last point. We'll get out of here. Uh, it, I said, don't worry, everyone. That was the plan. Back against the wall. It's how we like it. We played chess and saved our cards for the game two loss, but it's okay. We're going to have it. We're going to have a different lineup every game, and we're not going to run with pinch runners. And, and, and Carpenter, he's just warming up everyone. It's going to work. This is the Yankees' plan. Go down 2-0 and come, and come back. That's how you do it. I mean, CJ, you don't even watch baseball. It sounds dumb. No, I mean – I, I will just say, I mean, I don't, I don't watch baseball, but I know that the Yankees' payroll is is really high, and for them to have this core—not necessarily, I shouldn't say it's core—but like the, to have these star players and throughout this lineup, pitching and 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 in the infield, outfield, hitting, whatever you want to call it, position, positional players. I mean, for them to not come away with a World Series at some point here, it's going to be a massive letdown, um, and. That I at least know. I mean, the Astros are world beaters. They're really, really good. Don't get me wrong. They're so good. Again, you're the Yankees. It's World Series or bust, and it's looking like it's going to be another bust. And they just can't seem to get past this Astros hurdle uh, in the last half decade. And that is the problem. Yep. So, Roy and I will be back for a World Series preview. Hopefully, I'll be a little bit happier. But uh, this was a great pod here today. We went over, I mean, Sports Equinox yesterday, pretty fun uh, to see that. And uh, big college weekend, NFL, baseball playoffs, hockey, all going at once. We'll be back next week. Uh, you can check out also, CJ and I do one pod to rule them all. I'll leave the link to our latest season one review pod in the description below. CJ's Twitter's down there as well. You can follow us on Twitter at Strictly Sports P and on Facebook and Instagram at Strictly Sports Productions. And you can listen to this podcast on your preferred podcast platform. For CJ Uri, I'm Jacob Brown, and we'll see you next week.